sometimes controversial, often introspective, and always inspirational. This is Vocalized, the summer series podcast that explores topical issues in education in order to illuminate the role of identity in research, social justice advocacy, and the teaching. I'm your host, Nisha Terry, and as usual, I am grateful that you have chosen to listen in. Welcome to Focalized. So far this summer, I've noticed a similar thread in my conversations. The whole idea of identity as evolving, right? And uh, Dr. Alan Handy, you mentioned this article. So we're shifting a little bit because you mentioned the idea of becoming versus being. Can I expand on that a little bit more for us, please? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it is really uh, in alignment with all in the data was that the students were shifting from like claiming their identity or naming, right? Like Terea said today, I just now am taking on the identity of a scholar, mm-hmm. right? becoming a scholar, right? Being has, you know, Treya, even in this conversation, you shifted from becoming to actually being, right? And so, um, you know, that's why it was such a powerful finding that it really started driving a lot of our discussion, right? Around, you know, we're only specifically talking about um, a scholar identity, but it was not without their, the intersections of their identity, right? So you can see in their kind of biographical um, sketches where I think we included in that article exactly what they said when we asked them, tell us about yourself, right? Um, and so you have, um, you know, a, a, um, you have a mix of students, right? Talking about their own identities, right? So it wasn't me naming and claiming their identity for them. It was them claiming their identity, right? talking about that. And then how do we get them to take on what Terea talked about in her process, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm X, Y, and Z, I'm all of these things, yet I am also a scholar, right? When does that show up? Um, one of the things that I think that's really exciting for me is that all of, they graduated last Princeton, you know, Harvard, um, they went to University of Sciences, Cornell, Penn, right? So that's the schools that the five students went to, um, and they're now graduates. So um, I'm really excited to potentially do uh, a 2.0, right? To see what could be the potential longitudinal impact of this program that they were only in for two years, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see them kind of emerge, like when I when we interviewed them, it was right after their senior year, like right after we they had just graduated. From, from high school. Um, and they were already talking about, I want to major in this because of the program or, you know, I want to, you know, uh, I think we called him, I don't want to call him by his real name, Jacob maybe in the paper, but he's the one that was really looking at marine ecology and the intersection with urban communities. Um, and he, was, as you'll see in the article, was talking about wanting to study marine ecology and urban environments in school, right? Um, so I'm really interested. I've been connecting with some of them on LinkedIn, um, do kind of this 
you know, um, becoming critical scholars or urban youth scholars 2.0. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Tori, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit before the whole idea of becoming versus being, but do you want to jump on into this conversation? Yeah, I think it just, it dovetails so perfectly with everything that we talked about and that happened kind of organically. Um, because I didn't, I, you know, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, I did go through that process. Like <laughs> right here, I just illustrate, like it didn't even occur to me until you said that. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is a process and young people to go through that process um, and see themselves a certain way and, and have their experiences validated at that age as, a, as opposed to waiting until they're my age, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it took me years to break out of like what my high school guidance counselor told me, right? And, and I often think like, what could I have been? And, you know, like, I've done all right for myself. Obviously, I've done, I've done all right for myself. <laughs> but, you know, if, if I hadn't had those messages, if I had seen myself as a scholar, if I was, if I had made the shift of, of becoming to being much earlier, how much more time would I have had to really kind of walk in that? So mm -hmm. I think that there's something to be said for allowing students to, to go through that process early and um, just, just let them reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that once you're being, you're not becoming, right? That's what I That's true. like um, play on words with mm -hmm. how we, you know, how we wrote out being or becoming and kind of put the C-O-M in parentheses was like, they're not mutually exclusive, right? I can be and still be becoming, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a really powerful project. It was mm -hmm. the after two years. You know, what do we, what did you guys get out of this? And a thing I love about merging passion and research, it was the project itself was the passion, but the research revealed, right, the true right. impact of mm -hmm. the work. And when I say true, we know like truth is, you know, constructed and all of that. But I mean, just we learned a lot more from the data. Um, which is why I love merging passion and, and the research. Yes. And, you know, and also reminded me, Toria was talking about the time frame for WIPA, right? So this was two years. <laughs> yeah. And it was probably two and a half, almost three, because of the trying to get the partnership together, um, the funding, you know, um, mm -hmm. all of those pieces of just like, who's a school? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? Who's a principal that would be interested in this? Who's going to let me take their, their children to Puerto Rico? You know, like all of those pieces that at the end, we have three publications from the project, but all those things took a lot longer. <laughs> and then the writing the article, you know, with Shauna, it took us forever to get that article out just because we were like, whoa, he's tired from, you know, the program. But Anyway, but you know what? One thing I'm learning, and I'm like Taria, right? I get things done. <laughs> Actually, I have a similar birth story. My mother said she told the nurse, she's like, nurse, this baby is coming. And the nurse was like, no, you're not ready. And so she, and this was in Jamaica, she said, you know what? She just took up her bag and walked down to the labor room. 
<laughs> my fifth child. I know what I mean. <laughs> You're number five? Wow. Are I'm you the youngest? Five. I'm the baby. Wow. <laughs> yep. And she climbed on the bed and she started giving birth. And they were like, oh, you're in labor. She's like, oh, I told you. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense why y'all are so close. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have a similar thing where it's just like, listen, I made up my mind. I made a choice. Let's just make it happen. Let's just get it done. Get it done. But this past year, I've learned, and it's something I always tell my boys. I'm a hypocrite sometimes. I tell them, I'm like, listen, it takes time and time takes time. So you have to be patient, right? Yeah. How old are your boys, Nisha? Oh, I have a, he's about to be 11. I have an almost 11 year old and a six year old. Okay. Yeah. And they're like their mama. (laughs) So I'm like, no, this takes time. Time takes time. And I learned that. You know, I've been telling them for years, but I learned that this year, quality work, mm. quality research takes time and time takes time. Yes. So, yes, indeed. Know, even when you're on the clock, right? So it's the balance of assuming you all want to be tenure track faculty, but in this world, right, it's balancing the fact that time may take time, but not when you only have six years, right? When you're on time or you're borrowing time. Right? right. Which is what's basically happening because you are on the clock. If you, you the mm-hmm. way people talk about it is I'm on the clock, I'm on the clock or, you know, I'm trying to get my clock pushed back. You know, that's how tenure track folks talk about time. Um, and so I love what you said. Time takes time. Right. But there are some times that we have to dip into time to be able to get a lifelong job. So six years time for a lifetime. Right. <laughs> is it's good time. Time it. <laughs> I would agree. That kind of takes me to a question I want to ask as we're wrapping up. Um, so I admire your passion for what you do and your authentic commitment to who you are. I like that, that you're not, you're not skimping on who Ayana. In the moment, they don't when you're looking back, right? So another I think advice I would give is do not abandon the things that make you, you, right. We talked about these pieces of our identity, right. And oftentimes the default is the professional identity. I'm a scholar. I'm a researcher. I'm a professor, you know, when that is really not, that's like the surface, right. I want to get down to the, 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 the things that really make you, you, or make a life worth living. Um, And so my advice is prioritize, you know, family and friends above all else. And that wasn't something that I did very well. um, To be honest, you know, um, I am so grateful. I have a partner who is incredible husband and father and was able to really shoulder a lot of the things that I had to, I don't want to say abandon, but like, may have neglected because of the pressure of the clock we were talking about. Right. And so um, I would also say recognizing the season that you're in. Right. So that was my season to be totally focused on work, probably more than I, I, I should have been in retrospect because 
like us, we can't just be like, oh, I only need five articles to get tenure. No, I'm going to do 25. You know, we just being ambitious, being, you know, folks who have like incredible drive, um, you know, but sometimes they don't take all that, right? Like it don't take all that. Um, and so my advice would really be to anchor yourself in the things that truly matter. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot about that from my mentor who family was the top priority. You know, when, when work was over, no work, don't call me. I, I don't care if your dissertation is tomorrow, your defense, like I, I have separated. Right. And I should have learned that from, from him, but of course he's a him, you know, he doesn't have the, the woman piece of that and all that comes with that. But even, you know, in talking to him recently, he's like, so what, what's, what are you doing? And I was telling him, he's like, why are you working? I taught you better than that. Right. Family above all else. Don't let me have to call Freddie and, you know, tell him <laughs> blah, blah, blah to get you straight. Um, so anyway, you know, that's a long winded way of just saying, don't let the Academy take you away from the things that you love the most mm-hmm. and the things that make you, you. Thank you. Taria, oh. what do you want to ask Dr. Allen Handy? Yes. All right. So, you know, you talked a lot about partnership, right? You, you, you having a supportive partner. And obviously you are a very strong, very accomplished Black woman, right? Can you talk a little bit about those dynamics and how <laughs> you've navigated that and what, what that's been like as a part of this journey? Because I think, you know, particularly those of us who, who are ambitious, who are headstrong, you know, we kind of dance that dance. So what what did that look like for you? What did that feel like? How did you navigate it? <laughs> um, that is a great question. I'm, I'm going to get y'all after this <laughs> recording goes off. <laughs> no. Um, you know, I, my husband is a, he's a, he's a special person, right? And he is the one that has, has allowed me to be my full self, right? Never try to damper my quote unquote shine, right? Mm -hmm. Because our perspective in being partners is if I shine, you shine, right? If you good, I'm good. If you're not, then I'm not. And I think because we took that on, that real commitment, right? Of a unit, it was like whatever we had to do for the family. And I think that's, I've learned a lot from my husband for that, from that piece, right? Because some like that's my stuff. Like I did, you know. But he's very communal. Like whatever for the family, whatever, whatever, whatever for the family. You know, um, I can go without whatever for the family. And I think that is. I'm not saying the secret sauce, but that is why I have been able to do a lot of the things that I've done in a short amount of time. Because I had a partner who said, "You know what? I will cook dinner." Like every night you go to the office and I, and he will tell you, and he, um, you know, other friends and colleagues would tell you, I would like spend the night in the office. I should not have, I'm not saying do that, mm-hmm. but 
I knew that home was taken care of, right? I got, I got Aiden. I got, I got the, I got the clothes. I got all the things that like are typical, I guess, gender role, women things, cooking, cleaning, uh, washing clothes, folding clothes. That was, my husband took on that role, right? But what I shared with you earlier about seasons, now our season is shifting, right? I've got tenure. My husband's job is now very busy, right? He travel. He's traveling a lot. Even you know, we're, he's starting up slow with COVID, but he's he, he's been gone. He he's gone now, but he was gone two weeks ago, right? So it's like it. There's a shift now. I'm taking on the roles that I probably should have been before, but you know, now it's shifting, right? So I think that's the part of partnership. You might be the one on the grind right now, but next year or the year after you might not be. So again, I think, um, I'm really grateful, you know, for a partner that, you know, I didn't get married young in my twenties or, you know, um, we met, met each other later in life and, you know, in our mid thirties and, you know, had Aiden. And so I think it's just being open to your journey, your story. Um, And, you know, it's about what's best for us both. And I think, you know, the breakdown in relationships sometimes happen when there's competition in the relationship, right? Like we don't have a space in our home with our family that, that is like that. Right. So I hope that answers (laughs) your question. Yes. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to put you on the spot, oh, but no, I do. I do love <laughs> black one. love stories. <laughs> oh, I do too. I love black love. I don't know if y'all, <laughs> and if she ever hears this, she's going to crack up. Dr. Lewis Grant. We have some great memories about, I love black love. And I'm going to tell it on the podcast, Dr. Lewis Grant. Right, speak. <laughs> When I first met my husband, myself, Dr. Lewis Grant and Dr. Um, and Dr. Hill went out to eat. So I was like, yeah, I met this guy, blah, blah, blah. And I was telling them the story, da, da, da. And so Dr. Lewis Grant said, well, I love black love. And I said, well, he's white. And that has become like <laughs> the three of us are like running joke and I and after I like kind of let her believe it for a while oh, I'm sorry I mean I love all love you know all love matters right <laughs> and I said, um you know and I was like I'm just kidding you know he's black she's like phew so now our thing is oh I love black love, <laughs> I love, black love. so if she ever hears the podcast yes I told it <laughs> you know what she was actually on the first episode of the podcast. So she might be listening. She might listen in. <laughs> I told it. I'm gonna run and tell that. Now let me run. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's so beautiful. And I like the way you emphasized that uh union, right? Where you're working together and the notion of seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know. You're supporting each other through the different seasons of life. And that is just beautiful. So that's another piece of advice. Get you someone who will be there for you in your season. Yes, I'm snapping. I'm snapping. Not your All the seasons. You know what? When I was in high school, there was this novel that I just, I loved. 
the title was a man for all seasons. So <laughs> wow, look, and a man for all seasons. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, he'll probably if he ever hears this, he'll he'll be laughing. He'll be like, "Oh, my wife," you know. But <laughs> now you, when, when he's speaking, say, "Listen, you know what? You're a man for all seasons." <laughs> you should get him a T-shirt made. Yeah, yeah. I, I could probably get him some other ones too. <laughs> yeah, cool. uh, you know Thank what? Thank you, Taraya, for that that very difficult non-academies. You know, I couldn't use my academies for that one. Um, <laughs> non-academic question. <laughs> no problem. No problem. And it's a great question because we're ending with joy. All this laughter. <laughs> the whole thing has been joy. I don't think it's just been reserved for the end. You are right. Conversation. You are so right. This has been amazing and just wonderful. I feel like I've been chatting with sisters. Oh, yes, absolutely. I agree. Yes. Yes. We got to pull you into the lab somehow. I mean, I know you in the illest and everything <laughs> with Dr. Wright, but, you know, definitely uh, looking forward to potential future collaborations. I am looking forward to it, too. I'm really excited about it. Yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, you don't understand how excited I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> We just sit and fangirl about you, Dr. Allen Handy. Like we, we, <laughs> we do. <laughs> but you actually know the real deal, right? Like it's not perceived. <laughs> this is what it is. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, all of it. And I think one thing I, I really want you guys to take away is the kind of the questions you're asking, Nisha, about how do you hold fast to your authentic self? Mm -hmm. in spaces that may not have been made for you, right? We've talked about that, right? A space wasn't created for me, but how do I shift the context, right? Mm -hmm. How does my very presence shift the way people have to start thinking, shift the way people have to start talking, shift the way, you know, people have to start reimagining what they're doing. And, um, but being like anchored to your authentic self, Mm -hmm. as, you know, as much as possible is, is really going to take you far. This is wonderful. Taria, we have been very fortunate. <laughs> yes, we have. And I, I have to apologize because I think I talk too much on your podcasts. Oh, no. Listen, <laughs> I invited you for a reason. <laughs> I tend to be a talker. No, you are. <laughs> We're all I think here. I talked a lot. I'm I'm like, if you did the playback of how many minutes we each talked, I'm like, I'm probably surpassed that. We're all talkers here, but you know what? I enjoy learning from you guys. You so, as well. Agreed. Agreed. Amazing. Learning from each other. Yes. Right? You are a part of that. Exchanging, you know, the exchange that we have. Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful. So see, talk is good. <laughs> <laughs> well dr allen handy and Taria, i i just want to say thank you thank you for agreeing to become vocalized and i'm really looking for continued conversations in the continued, well partnerships because i you know we all work from a similar heart a heart for social justice a heart for centering participants voices a heart mm -hmm. for youth yeah. And a heart for being authentic in our work. 
Yes. So once again, from the bottom of my heart, <laughs> thank you for being vocalized. Oh, thank you for thank having you. us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes. This has been vocalized. Thank you for listening and we'll chat next episode.